This is Self-Evident, and I'm your host, Kathy Arway. You're about to hear a follow-up to our episode about the origins and the future of the term Asian American. If you haven't heard it yet, check it out now. It's episode two, The Non-United States of Asian America. Okay, when we're producing an episode for Self-Evident, we can't always include all the people that we speak with in the final cut. So there's still a lot more that we want to share, including this interview with Sharman Hussain, a community organizer and member of the Bangladeshi Feminist Collective. Sharman's work includes teaching people how to de-escalate violence and build support from marginalized communities. She brought a perspective on classism and colorism within Asian American communities to our conversation about the broader identity. And while these are really big forces at work, Sharman was focused on what we can do in our own families and our own neighborhoods, which I really appreciated. Oh, by the way, we had a kind of tough time with the audio recording for this conversation, so it'll sound just a bit different from our usual episodes. All right, here's Sharman. Do you now identify as Asian American? I am from Bangladesh and have been born and raised in this country. So I do identify as Bangladeshi American. But would you also say Asian American? Yeah, I knew pretty young that Asian American was a thing. It was something that I got introduced to when I had to start applying for colleges and I had to start applying for different state programs. Um, I knew that younger Charmin had to identify with a race and an ethnicity in order to be classified in American society. Um, And especially because there was a clear differentiation between, you know, Latinx, Black, and white populations. Asian American just seemed like the best fit for what we encompass. So what kind of feelings did that bring up when you feel like you have to choose this one bucket. I actually don't feel like emotionally distraught over it. I'm never like, oh my God, I had to pick Asian. Like that was so painful for me. Like that was never an experience of mine. I actually was like, this makes sense because this is a whole ass continent that's massive. And I like, to me, I never problematized it. I don't even think it's like, I don't even think it's like something that's negative per se. I think it's more about the ways in which our cultural education hasn't gotten to a point where we are all um, benefiting from just like these bucket terms, especially because there are so many ways in which there are hierarchies in our Asian American community that it would be really helpful for people to be more specific because I think lumping us together has actually done more damage than it has like taught us in my opinion. And what do you think that damage has been? The reason why South Asian communities don't benefit from like lumping together in East, like in Asian categories is because of like the caste stratification in our own society. So because South Asia is such a deeply casteist space, um, because caste has dictated people's careers, their families, the ways in which their um, communities are organized, their religious societies, caste has been a huge marker for which we are all socially organized under. So 
in the lumping of Asian American like identity, that piece gets lost. So I think for South Asians, caste is something that's becoming urgently brought to the forefront because it's been replicated in a lot of violent hierarchies in our communities. So in India, there's so much caste-based violence because of where people are located on the caste spectrum that it's created a, a, a platform for Hindu fundamentalism. And because Hindu fundamentalism thrives off of casteism and, and the ways in which like they are allowed to subjugate Dalit and untouchable bodies, that that has become the ammo and the tool of the right wing to really continue violence in our communities. So that is a part of the piece of why like South Asians aren't benefiting from the term Asian America because we aren't allowed to confront our own casteist history, if that makes sense. Yes. Half of it is because of the not knowing piece. The other half of it is like Asian Americans think that when they migrate here that they all of a sudden don't have caste. So that's like a huge narrative that comes out of Indian Americans, Hindu Americans that are like, oh, I don't practice caste anymore. Well, can a white person like stop practicing white privilege? No, right? Yeah, no, that's a really important piece. Yeah, and I think that 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 was one piece. And the other piece was just living interracially in Queens, which is a very, very Asian place, right? So we have all types of Asians. So from Filipino block to like the Korean block to the Bangladeshi block, like we just have like enclaves of folks living next to each other. So because I grew up on the... Um, Jackson Heights flushing line, I would often see the ways in which being lumped into the Asian identity didn't serve me. It, it wasn't something that allowed kinship between me and East Asian folks. It wasn't something that even allowed for cultural exchanges that were based in love and mutual care. A lot of the times I felt um, there were a lot of racist interactions I've had with East Asian folks. I would be treated as if I wasn't educated enough or if I wasn't skinny enough or if I wasn't light skinned enough. These were all dynamics that happened in my everyday life. So if I went to an East Asian salon to get my hair cut, they would ask me if I wanted a facial. Um, and more often than not, these facials had skin lightening products in them. So there were always these tinges of feeling the impacts of our own white supremacy, our own like hierarchies of like who's better and who's not. And, and I think it's like something East Asian folks are probably talking about more openly now because they see the impacts of not only skin lightening cranes, but all the surgeries that are happening, all the, all the ways in which Asians have hated themselves over the years and efforts of become, wanting to become white. Have you ever felt like something somebody said was like really harmful to you? You know, all the time, I feel like when dark-skinned women, especially dark-skinned plus-size women, are in spaces where Asian hierarchy is abound, um, our bodies are, like, always challenging the possibility of what can be. So even when it's, like, I'm at an Asian-American student conference and I have to, like, really, really, like overextend myself to be liked, to be desired, to be seen as somebody that's like an intellectual, that's the norm. And then there's also like the erasure that happens, right? Where we'll be in spaces of 
um, political education together, like I mentioned, like different student conferences, or we'll be in like a panel together. And there's always that like tinge of nobody in the room knowing anything about Bangladesh. Nobody knows the capital of Bangladesh. Nobody even knows that it's one of the most populated places in the world. Nobody knows that we are devastatingly impacted by climate change. And as the waters rise, Bangladesh is one of the first countries that are going to witness like extinction, right? So these types of stories are like strategically put in the back of people's heads in Asian communities because I think we represent the darker people. We represent the land people. We represent the poor people that I think is not a history that's fun. It's not a history that's like, oh my God, I get to talk about like the importance of like this really um, beautiful community. Even now, Lunar New Year in New York City has been a huge cultural celebration. Black folks are celebrating it. You know, all types of Asians are like enjoying this beautiful culture. And that's an exchange that I hope that can be both ways. You know, I hope that one day East Asian folks want to come to a Bangladeshi New Year and celebrate our culture and learn about our practices, you know? Um, and that's like a way in which like, we haven't set up the the terrain for people to come in to different like communities and actually learn about each other. I'm going to turn the tables and ask a question. Have you ever felt a moment of kinship from Asian American circles? Yeah, I mean, recently I um, actually was a part of um, NCAPIA, which is a national queer Asian Pacific Islander Alliance. Um, they had a series of convenings across the country to get Asian American activists together in a room um, to brainstorm what are the priorities and ways in which we as a community are going to like plant the seeds for change in the next four years. Um, I really loved the futuristic thinking of it. I loved like the possibility and the, the, the desire to want to confront issues. And later these series formed into really important political conversations across the Asian community where we hosted our first like session on the Asian right wing at the People's Forum. And the growing Asian right wing became a very central focal point that Asian Americans can come together on to strategize and, and map out the different moving pieces that are existing in our communities. And, you know, I'm 26. So witnessing this at my age, after coming out of like Queens where I haven't always experienced kinship with Asian, East Asian folks was, was really, you know, healing in a way like I felt oh yeah there is some hope and possibility when there are agents of change in that community willing to see you as an equal and willing to thought partner with you and see you as somebody who like they want to learn from and I think that learning that mutual respect also that centering of brownness um in a really yellow like East Asian space was helpful for them to think about like oh yeah we have a lot of biases and internalized like dynamics where we don't get to learn from the other side of the table. That partnership really said a lot about the potential of Asians working with other Asians on our own stuff, you know, versus just being mad at white people all the time. I love it. 
I hope you enjoyed hearing from Sharman as much as I did. If you have any thoughts about this interview, let us know by emailing community at selfevidentshow.com. We'll be back soon with more of Asian America's stories.